We're the Pragmatic Doulas. This is a podcast where we talk all about birth and other interesting things. Birth may be a goddess, but she doesn't want to be worshipped. She wants to be respected. She doesn't want incense. She wants common sense. Hello, 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 and welcome to the Pragmatic Doulas podcast, ASMR edition. Yes, how are you doing? I hope that everyone feels well today. No, no, we don't. (laughs) We do not. (laughs) As evidenced by this um, weird voice of mine. So if you've got an opening in your smoky jazz bar and you need to hire somebody to sing um, bluesy ballads, please hire me because that's my thing now. I you feel know, like garbage. That, that might have to be the thing. I heard today that, and I'd heard rumor before, but I hadn't 100% confirmed it, that a couple of the hospitals have gone back to single support person only. Really? Yeah, yeah there's a bunch of them that have, that have started to do that. I checked with St. Mike's yesterday or the day before. Um, oh. There's no current changes in their... So that means still two. Yeah. Okay. Still two. Some of the hospitals have changed to at least one of the supporting people have to be vaccinated. Yeah, we have that. St. Mike's has that. Yeah. So you can have two people, but one has to be vaccinated. And if you are not the vaccinated party, you must remain in the room at all times. So you can't, if you're an unvaccinated doula um, or an unvaccinated partner, you can't be the person going to refill the ice chips or doing anything like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and if the person can do that. For ours in postpartum, you have to be vaccinated. You can't not be. Like if your partner's not vaccinated, they're not staying in postpartum. Oh, okay, okay, okay. And it, yeah, the, in, in postpartum, you must be a vaccinated individual. And if you're going to, and often in most hospitals right now, they've gone back to, even if you've had, you've been allowed to like switch out different people and only have one at a time. Now they're back to just one assigned individual. Cause I, I was called to two different breastfeeding support visits this past week. And I asked them both check with your charge nurse first to find out what the rules are before I come do an in-hospital breastfeeding support visit. You know, Kim, the way you always said it, easier to just get a doula in there to do these things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I agreed to do that, but they both said, nope, one assigned person to postpartum. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Things are, they're, they're changing a little bit and we'll see if it like does a full change again. So yes, hold on to that smoky blues voice that might be your backup right now. <laughs> okay, hold on. I need to mute myself because I need to cough up a lung. Excuse okay. me. Talk amongst yourselves. <laughs> I think the thing to remember is that when it comes to this pandemic, until we can get it under control, until we can, until some people out there actually fucking take this shit seriously, um, this is a moving target. Like whether you get into hospital or not is a moving target. So if you are a doula that does not have a clause in your contract about this, you need to put something in. You cannot automatically assume that if somebody hires you for a birth in June, that something is going to change and that it's going to be better. It could very well be worse. We don't know. So you have to have something in your contract that's going to 
give you a backup if you cannot actually attend. Period. What what I'd be interested to know what sort of clauses you guys have inserted into your contract. And of course, I don't care about sharing mine, but maybe we need to do uh, a land acknowledgement and a check-in first before we dive into that. All right. So let me, maybe that's our topic for today because we really didn't have one. Um, okay. Let me do the land acknowledgement and then we can yeah. move forward. Okay. I would like to recognize and acknowledge the land upon which I live, raise my children, work and support birthing parents is the traditional territory of many nations, including the Mississaugas of the Credit, the Ashinabek, the Chippewa, the Haudenosaunee and the Wendat peoples, and is now home to many diverse First Nations, Inuit and Métis peoples. While a land acknowledgement is not enough, it is an important social justice decolonial practice that promotes indigenous visibility and is a reminder that we are on settled indigenous lands. Let this land acknowledgement be an opening for all of us to contemplate a way to join in indigenous movements for sovereignty and self-determination. Miigwech. Miigwech, thank you. Um, yes, thank you very much for that. So, why don't we check in? Okay. How's so, everybody doing? Yeah, Steph, how are you doing? Are you? How's your foot? You, yeah, how's that toe? Uh, foot is great. Toe is still healing. So I can walk upstairs now, like one step at a time. So that's a big step, literally. No pun intended. And I'm going, still going down one step at a time down the stairs out so I can't bend it. But I mean, I'm moving. I'm so much more mobile. I feel, you know what? I don't do well with being down, with being forced down or forced to slow down. It messes with my head. That's can, not news. That's no. <laughs> not news. I have done more journaling during this foot injury than I have in the past year because I just had to like spew shit out into the world. Let me tell you. But other than that, everything is great. Our bathrooms are finished. I thought we were 100% finished with contract, but there were a couple of things that weren't fitting properly. So he's coming back to just like fine tune those things. And then I will have people out of my, my house. And now I'm going to be excited to properly clean my bathrooms because it's, it, you can't clean them when there's like people in work boots coming in and out of your house. Like mm. it was just like, fuck it. I'm not going to clean it. There's work boots coming in and out of my house. So I didn't bother, but now I'm excited to make it feel like I don't have stuff stuck to my feet all the time perfect yeah. and you Kimberly I'm pretty sure I'm passing a kidney stone I think that's what this oh. crap is about oh. um so yeah so yesterday I was very nauseous um achy um terrible it's not good um, from all ends. And um, yeah, I, I'm pretty sure that's that's where we're headed. So yesterday, so Steph's like, I can't just sit down. I can't just, you know, not do things. And I'm like sitting here going, okay, uh, kids, you're going to have to bring yourself home from work. Uh, you guys are going to have to feed yourself. I'm going to bed and I'll see you later. Bye. And that was me. Like, I'm not, I, they're grown-ass fucking adults they don't need me um I like to do these things for them I do these things for them because it makes me happy um but there comes a time where I just have to not do anything 
So I don't have, I don't feel, I don't feel bad about it. I don't feel like I can't do it. I enjoy sitting on my ass doing virtually nothing. Um, So yeah, so there you go. Um, I've, the good news is I've got lots of medication left from the last time I had a kidney stone. So hopefully it'll pass on its own and Christmas won't be disturbed too much. Well, yeah, that, that didn't even occur to me yesterday when you said you were feeling like that, but oh God, yes. May stone pass easily, smoothly. Yeah. Completely. I don't even care if it's a little uncomfortable, but just pass. Just do it. Just get don't, out. don't be too big not to pass because I don't have time for that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and as you can hear, I have been feeling like garbage for most of this week. Monday morning, woke up and thought, oh, what is this thing in my throat? Um, was concerned about COVID, of course. Went and got a test. It's not COVID. It's just a plain old cold. But I haven't had a cold for I don't know, like two and a half years. So it feels strange. My head, and I always get a head cold. My head feels really congested. And of course my nose is congested. I feel a little lightheaded. And there's this tickle in my throat that's constantly making me cough. Otherwise, hey, I'm great. Um, <laughs> I've, uh, I took some NyQuil, which I usually don't take stuff. But I, I took some NyQuil the other night and that shit lasted, that knocked me out. That night, I, I could barely, like I pulled the, the thing to turn the lamp off and my arm just flopped down and I stayed there and fell asleep. I woke up five minutes later, like, oh, I need to roll over from turning oh, off the light. It knocked me out. It made me so drowsy all the next day. And then it knocked me out that, that night, the next night when I went to sleep, I also conked right out too. So like one dose of NyQuil really did a number on me. I still feel a little bit lightheaded. I don't know. I'm a real amateur. <laughs> Do that too, right? The cold basically tells you lay down. Stop yeah. moving. Yes. Slow down. Um, but when you have a head cold, lying down makes it worse. Because I wake up in the middle of the night and my head feels, it feels horrible. And yeah. I actually feel better when I get up and things kind of drain down. Yeah. That's Gravity. the thing. You need gravity. Gravity. Yeah. I'm grateful it's not moving down to my chest, which I know a chest cold is worse Can that. It's all respiratory and lungs and all that crap. Um, yeah, but this is pretty miserable too. And I think my immune system is just really shitty because of stress over the last couple of months or so mm-hmm. and uh, i've got to do something about that so that's my new year's resolution is to really start paying attention because i can't afford to keep falling into this stupid pit of not feeling well something's off what i can't i hate it so much so i've got to take that shit seriously mm-hmm. starting now <laughs> yeah there you go yeah. So that's my update. My, that's how I feel. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah. So we were going to discuss uh, privilege and privilege in the, not in a positive or a negative, but just in a uh, using it and how people, how doulas use it and how some people feel about doulas using their privilege to uh, make choices for themselves. But 
honestly, with all the changes coming back again, discussing things like coming into the new year with a solid clause for yourself and taking care of your business um, is part of taking care of yourself as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, I yeah. think, so have, Suzanne, have you changed your clause in your contract with COVID coming or was yours pretty rock solid as you came into uh, to COVID and everything? Like, did, did you have one? Did you have a clause? Pre-COVID, did you have a clause? About what? About say you, because of sickness or whatever you, because of hospital procedures, if you were not able to come in, what, did you have like anything like that? No, no, actually. I mean, I had, like, I've always, always have backup, which is, that's my, and I always, yeah, but my, what I, what, what I'm saying is not crap. that you can't go, but that the hospital's not letting you go. No. Okay. No, that, cause that never occurred to me. Right. That could possibly be a thing that I would be barred from entering the hospital. I, I kind of feel like it's, it's, you can put as many clauses as you possibly can. You're going to forget something. You're, there's got, you cannot, you cannot mention every single contingency. No. Now, when COVID started up, I started offering virtual support. So I have a whole entire virtual support for birth and postpartum situation, separate contract and so on. And now it seems like so, and then it, at the beginning of this year, it seems like, oh, so people sometimes can start out with the intention of having an in-person arrangement and then things have to switch. Mm-hmm. And that's where I'm stuck at. Right. How do I do that? How do you pivot? So I've had to give that some thought about pivoting around money because people want to know, well, what if we have to switch to virtual what if we've done one in-person prenatal and then all of a sudden everything goes to hell right. and we've got to switch to virtual, then what? So I've made, I've, I've made verbal agreements with clients concerning that situation, which is a reality, uh, but I haven't actually made any uh, real um, concrete changes in my contract about it because I talked to people in the beginning about in person or virtual pick one Mm -hmm. and we've moved from there but it has happened a couple of times where people have wanted to know about it and we've just discussed it virtually and then we've changed the contract concerning money I don't remember what those details are but uh yeah that's how I've handled it sort of like fly by the seat of my pants which is so Suzanne so (laughs) So we had, so Stephanie and I, I don't know if you still have it. I'm assuming you do. Um, Pre-COVID, we had a clause that said, you know, if for whatever reason we cannot attend the birth because of hospital procedures and and basically stating because of SARS um, and H1N1, when that, when those went down, like back in the day, um, we had that clause in there, but the, the clause was basically, you know, I can't remember exactly what it said um, because it's been a while since I've actually read the contract. Um, I think it basically said the money stays the same. Yep. It says 
balance is still due regardless of things that are out of our control. Yeah, because they're out of our control. Now, for me, when COVID hit, I had a client already on book where um, we had started and then it, then we weren't, I was not allowed in. So what, what the contract basically said was that, you know, because I split the payments up 50, 50, the second payment, if I cannot attend the birth because of hospital restrictions will change. The second payment will change to X, Y, Z, and that will reflect the lower price that I have for virtual support. And then virtual support will, will look like blah, 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 blah. I think it says something like that. Um, but of course now I don't do in person. So now I have strictly, um, a virtual contract. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. So if, so you're saying that if, if the doula cannot attend the birth due to circumstances beyond their control, the, the terms of the contract remain the same. Yes. And that, yeah. But however, it was, it was specific for if we couldn't attend because of changes in hospital procedures that or pro- hospital policies, that was the wording of it. So if the hospital changed something that affected the fact that we couldn't go, then things would remain the same. Like you're if, all ready to go. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm sitting there re- ready to go. I, there's nothing preventing me from going except the hospital itself. We had another clause in there that said, you know, if for whatever reason, you know, I couldn't get there because of, you know, or I couldn't get you a backup, maybe it's a fast birth or it's weather or it's, you know, things like this, then there was um, pro, uh, contingencies in there for, you know, offering money back, like, um, for that or extending postpartum support. I think it was something like that. Steph, I don't know if you changed had that. The postpartum support, but then someone wanted to, wanted $600 worth of postpartum support. So mm-hmm. we took that shit out. Yeah. They wanted, yes. they wanted the entire second half of the fee in postpartum support, which is a lot, which is yeah, a lot. And- and considering you're still going to be, you know, talking to them on the phone and, and shit like that, like, no, I, I'm still awake. I'm still, you know, rocking you through this. I'm still, you know, I'm just not physically with you. So let's make it, you know, this much or whatever, however much you want. Right. So although, like, and, and the contingency still is, now, Kim, you, you made, because you opted to switch only to virtual yeah. as well you are comfortable making that switch to, should we switch to virtual, the balance will reflect what the balance would be if you had booked the virtual package. Yeah, I have not switched to that. Mine has been that if we switch or if there's changes at the hospital, you have the choice of having me and not your partner because I'm still willing to go. Um, And, or you can choose that we do a pivot to virtual. Right. But then everything else stays the same. I still come see you at home afterwards, you know, mask, protocol, all the fun stuff. And I still do my visits. Like, and I'm still, so the fact is, is right up until that time, I'm still on call for you. So, so that, the, the clause in, the, in it is that nothing changes except that our, we're pivoting to virtual. However, if two days before you're, you go into labor, it switches back again, 
than it's in person. So yeah. really a lot of this is the stressors on the doula here because we're the ones who don't know if we're on call for a, a virtual yeah. and, or if we're on call for an in-person. So we're continuing to now ride that wave. And so I, it, so it, it stays the same. It is a moving target too, because then for a little bit of time, it was like the contract said something like I could, was changing it constantly because then at one point it was like, if I agreed to do it, um, said, you know, if things change and I am able to attend in person, then the price will be X, Y, Z, that the second part will be the second half of the payment will be, you know, this particular Same. amount, right. To boost it up to the fact that I'm going to be there in person. Now I don't have obviously that clause anymore because I'm not going to, I happily remove that because I'm not ever, ever leaving my house again, um, except to buy groceries. Cause quite frankly, I'm fucking terrified by all of this shit. <laughs> so you don't feel Steph that, um, God, I love Steph's philosophies around money stuff like this, but well, she, ha- she Stephanie not- gives zero fucks about yeah. any, like, this, this is, is the why price. I, why, this is why I need to check in with her every once in a while. Yeah. So you don't feel, Steph, that the retainer amount, let's say your uh, your overall fee is $1,200, right? For the total in-person birth package, $1,200. And $600 is the retainer that they pay you when they sign the contract, right? Hold their spot in that month because I only take two, possibly three births a month. Yes. Okay. And uh, you don't feel that that $600 covers your prenatal work and your on-call time? Not even remotely. That is a booking fee. So I don't put any additional energies into other people to bring them in, to interview with them, to educate them. All of my availability, because I'm available from the time you chat with me, from the time we decide to work together. If you have something that comes up, like you're wondering which wrap to buy. If you're wondering, you know, besides tux, what should I do for my hemorrhoids? If you're looking for a resource in Toronto, because you're looking for whatever it happens to be that is baby or pregnancy or the first year of your after birth um, resources, I'm your person. So it is not just to book me, it is to book access to me. Yeah. So there you go. That is just the retainer then the balance is having the emotional energy it requires for me to be on call for when you go into labor, whether your labor is three hours or 48. It isn't even about the attendance. It's my availability to you without distraction from the time you need me to the time your baby is born and on your chest. Got it. And okay. if you get up, yes, it takes absolutely more energy for me to get up out of my bed and go but I'm still not, I'm still not available to somebody else when I'm available to you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I I feel no ways about that. I will say that as these things were coming in, and this is a clause somebody can use too, if this is in their comfort zone, if -hmm. someone has booked you, um, they've booked you. So they've booked you, they put down their retainer fee. You are now at week 37 and you're preparing to do a prenatal with them. If you move through that prenatal visit with them and at the end of that prenatal, you've done a birth plan, you've helped them kind of figure out what it is they want to do, but you are not allowed into their hospital. I think it is reasonable if this is financially doable for the fam- for that 
person for that doula to say, if you choose to not have me go on call now and you choose to terminate right now, and I only say this because of COVID and because of the compassion I have about how jarring this is for so many families. Um, if you choose to not have me continue as your support person, meaning no more calls, no more texting, no virtual support, this is the end of our relationship together, then it is reasonable to leave it at the retainer. Okay. But, that, but and this is what I said to my clients. Extremely after, unlike you. <laughs> if after this day, you reach out to me with even one question, the balance is due. So I expect you to reach out with that one question and send me the balance. That because, sounds more like you. There yes. we go. <laughs> I will answer that question when you send me the balance because I now I am extending my energy to you instead of looking for another client to fill this spot. Be it a home birth client that I'm allowed to attend, be it breastfeeding support I'm allowed to go do. Be, I'm taking energy away from those things to attend you now. Hmm. So Got it. It really just depends because I you have to put your resources and your energy somewhere to create money to pay your bills. So if I am busy with you, I am going to say no to that thing over there because I, I might be available. I need to be available for you. But if I'm not, if you're saying you don't want me available for you, I have to then take that energy and go make money elsewhere. Yeah, but I feel disingenuous doing that because I have never had to. I always say, I say yes to everything and I've never in all my 17 years, I just say yes. So if I have a birth client due on uh, January 15th, let's say, I'm not going to say no to anything. I'm not, I don't say no to anything. I teach classes. I do breastfeeding support. Everybody knows that I'm, uh, uh, that I attend births also. And I've never had being on call for a birth interfere with, there's been a few times where I've had to reschedule a postpartum visit, but my clients have known that I will attend births and it's just never come up where, oh, I'm sitting at home waiting for my birth clients to call me. So therefore I cannot go to a breastfeeding support visit or a postpartum visit. That's never happened. It's not even so much. And I wouldn't, and I wouldn't do that. It's not so much can as will. So will I, do I choose to, is it, am I, it's not so much even the waiting for them. It's that you get like, you know how we've talked before about X amount of appointments per day. And we're like, I cannot, like I need one kind of big thing and that's it. Yeah. So, and so I do have to pass off on, you know, breastfeeding support to somebody else or pass off on um, placentas to somebody else or something. If I'm busy with one family or I can't commit to it because I might be going to a birth shortly and passing those things off. I have had to do that, but also want to. Sometimes you get to the end of one thing and I don't have the emotional capacity. I just don't. And so I really, I really honor that because I, I have this habit of, I used to have the habit of just saying absolutely yes to everything. And boy, was I constantly bagged and talk about my immune system in the toilet. Um, I was and- just going to say, <laughs> Susan, maybe your inability to say no is kind of being tested right here. Well, well, to be fair, 
when I say I'm saying, oh, I say yes to anything that comes up almost always. It's not as if I'm getting 10 calls a week for breastfeeding support or whatever. Steph is way busier doing placenta and breastfeeding stuff than I, than I am. So I say, so for like, let me be clear about that. So if I have a client on January 15th, um, and, and then I get uh, per, somebody who wants uh, postpartum support, let's say four visits, <coughs> and they're due on uh, January the 8th, I'm going to say yes to that. And then I will also say to them, I have a client on January 15th. So that might interfere with maybe one or two visits, and we might have to shuffle it around, which is fine, because we have to shuffle stuff around anyways, most of the time, because somebody's coming, or I have a cold, or whatever, and me going to a birth is just another one of those things that I, and I often am carrying, like right now I have five clients. They're all birth clients, but I'm communicating with five clients. So that's a part of what I've been doing. I've since, you know, since the beginning, I have five clients that I'm texting with messaging, five clients that I'm planning meetings with, five clients that I'm sending stuff to to, you know, contracts and receipts and blah, blah, blah. So that's just the nature of this business, I guess. I guess what I'm saying is I don't, I have never found it to be onerous. I love that you are mindful of your energy as I need to be more mindful of mine, clearly. Um, I just, I don't feel put upon but I really like your idea of um, pay the retainer and then it drops to the virtual fee. The balance drops to the virtual balance if I'm not able to attend the birth. That feels very fair to me. And but I appreciate that it may not feel fair to somebody else like you, Steph. Yeah, like for me, it, <coughs> it had to feel like I was, and, and I mean, let's be honest. We hear so many times, like, what's in your contract? What do you do? And there's always, there's always people, you know, saying, you know, you have to do this, you have to do this. And it's like, you know what, this is your business. And you are the one that has to feel comfortable with what you're putting out there. And if, if the contract that I created, so even though Steph and I work together, we actually have different contracts. Um, The contract that I have, that I've created for myself to work with clients that I am working with and the packages and things that um, have been created so that I can work with my customers or my clients, that is what works for me. And it may not work for other people. It 100% may not work for other people. And I totally get that. And you know what? That's your damn business. This is my business. And this Mm -hmm. is how I choose to run it. And this is how I choose to actually Mm -hmm. support my clients. So- If that works for you, then great. Then you go and do that. But don't yeah. don't tell anybody else that what they're doing is incorrect because then right there and there you're being shitty. Yeah. That's not that's not cool. Yeah. I love the diversity of um ways of working, I guess. Yeah. And I'm I have changed a lot of what I do. I remember being fascinated that Stephanie didn't do uh evenings evening um meetings and i still love that i love that she doesn't do that and her your reasoning make makes total sense to me i just don't feel put out 
also my kids are older and I kind of like having my days free and then cramming things in the evening. I kind of like that. So I, I decided, oh, I'm going to, I'm just going to keep doing evening meetings because it doesn't feel onerous to me, but the minute that it does, because I have your example, I will switch that bitch mm-hmm. in a second because I know that it's possible because of you. And I love that we also say how, how unique the three of us are in how we approach those meetings when we do prenatals with people. I, you, and, you and I, Suzanne, love to eat with people, but for me, I insist it be lunch. <laughs> you know? And I hate eating with people, so. Eating with people. And it, it's all good ways to do it. Because again, where the doula feels comfortable and then the meeting goes well, right? Like, can you imagine, like, I, I just had the visual. I just had a visual of Kim coming into someone's house and they've set up a dinner spread to, to eat. I can well. your face totally now. So I, this? No, look, <laughs> I, I, would, I would sit and I would eat. Don't, don't get me wrong. But I don't, it's funny, the way you guys talk about it, it's like, there's this assumption that you're telling people that, you know, yeah, well, let's, let's have a, let's have a dinner meeting and we'll all get together and we'll eat and blah, blah, blah. That feels, it makes me feel weird inside to, to do that. Um, You know, like, yeah, we're going to make dinner and it's going to be at your house. So make dinner. (laughs) It's like, you know, and then it's like, well, I'm going to bring something. And it's like, have you met me? I don't cook. I barely cook for my own damn children. I can, can I bring you chicken fingers? Like what the, yeah, like I can't, I, and, and I don't, I just, I don't like, I don't know what people like. And I don't know. Uh, no, I can't. It's like too much to maneuver. Is, it fucking freaks me out. And especially somebody like me who doesn't like so many things. You're setting yourself up, man. Well, I, 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 the way that I phrase it in my uh, welcome letter, there's, there's a part of it that says, if this is not cool with you, that's totally fine. Not everybody enjoys this kind of thing. Yeah. And we can make other arrangements and that's totally fine. Never, never has anybody ever said no. They've everybody's enthusiastically said yes. And I've gotten some free dinners at nice restaurants because of it too. <laughs> I've only had, I had that once where the client suggested it and it was like a fancy restaurant down by um, Kensington market. And I was like freaking out. How the hell was I going to pay for this? Because I did not have room on my credit card and I did not have money in my bank account for this. Yeah. And he ended up paying, like they ended up paying. And to be honest, it felt horrible to me. Like, really? it, yeah, it felt horrible. I, every time I've been to a restaurant with my clients, they've always paid and it has always felt totally no, normal. No, I, it freaks me out. I was like, put your money away, Suzanne. We don't want your money. Put it away. And they've paid. I've been to like amazing sushi places. Amazing. I also always go Dutch when they're, when I'm dating too. So I don't want anybody paying for me. I always bring that up because I don't want it to be awkward. So I bring it up right away Mm -hmm. and let them know I'm happy to pay for myself. And they always refuse. And when we start planning the dinner, we talk about it. Like, what do you, what do you hate? Do you have any diet? People are always good and ask, do you have any dietary restrictions? And I say, no, but I have some pretty strong food hates and here they are. And I, cilantro. 
<laughs> and I give them the list of things. Do not serve me this, this, and this, because I will barf all over your nice table. And it's <laughs> always been, it's always been fun. Nobody's ever said no, but if anybody ever did, cool. Yeah. Yeah, no, I know. I've also had some dinners that I do not, things that are not on my food hate list, but things that were just died in light because they weren't prepared well or something. And I've had to choke it down. You know, I've yeah. had that. That's the worst that could happen. Yeah. Yeah. You know, but it's, I still like, so now, you know, it's not for you, but it now, you know, it's possible. It's not possible even, for everybody else, but me possible. Yeah, it's possible. <laughs> so if you ever, if another duelist, if a new duelist said to you, uh, would it be okay if I like met them for dinner to do this birth planning meeting? You can say, Hey, lots of people do it. I don't, but lots of people do just like home birth. Yes. It's not for me, but millions of people have done it and continue to do it. And it works out fine. So go for it. It's like that. Mm -hmm. I think the applies to how you communicate about setting up meetings. So whether it's dinner or not lunch or not, but also when someone messages you and says they want to set up their prenatal like the way I do mine or when someone sets up and says they want to do a like a meet and greet type thing you know consultation interview whatever you want to call it I automatically reply and in that reply I give them a list of times and dates mm -hmm. I can in person or zoom at this time this time and this time or I can zoom only at this time this time and this time you know pick your poison pretty much as opposed to waiting and saying, just tell me what works for you and I'll make it work. Oh I, no, I'll never do yeah, that. Yeah, no, I, I don't do that anymore. <laughs> no, I also do not do in-person consultations anymore. Ever, ever, ever. No. I'm not driving to freaking Lakeshore and whatever for an interview. No. Not anymore, no way. I used to drive it no, all. No, and this, this pandemic, this pandemic has taught us that we don't need to do that. Yeah. A like Zoom meeting don't for a need consult mwah, has yeah. worked beautifully. Yeah. You can see me. Here I am. I'm not, you know, I'm not a hideous ogre or, you know, you some creepy. Hear me? Yeah. I'm not some I'm, creepy, yeah, creepy, weird I'm, person, you know, wanting to talk about your birth. I, I've got my family. I've got my stuff. I'm very birthy. I'm not weird or anything like that. So let's talk about you and, and what, what birth you would what, what, how I can help you. Honestly, yeah. this pandemic has opened up so many freaking doors for creating this work that works for you, right? Where, yeah. where you can still go on school trips or, you know, where you can still look after your kids and make money where you can, you know, get out and do stuff or stay here in your home and still work and make money. Like, I think it's funny. I was talking to my chiropractor on Tuesday, heaven sent. And, um, the, she only works now as a chiropractor two days a week. And I'm like, oh my God, like, are you retiring? Like, what is going on? She goes, no, no, I just do other stuff now. I've just, I needed to, because of the way things were going with the pandemic and because of the protocols and whatnot that we had to go in um, and the, and the people and crowd control within the office, we had to, I was spending a lot of time like twiddling my thumbs. She said, so 
I did some webinars and things like that. And then I found something else that I could do online that allowed me to still make money and, you know, keep my office open and support other people like the RMTs and the video physios and all this stuff. Um, and I could still work. I'm like, yeah, respect. Like, I love that. And, and that's really, I think what being a doula, like, I know there's still people out there like, it has to be in person and I have to be there and I have to do da, 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 da. It's like, and you know what? That's great. That's and great for you. there's a market for them. Then that's, then that's for you. For me, I see my job now as a virtual doula to not be the one that does all the things, but to basically teach you, teach the partner, teach it, teach your support people how to do the things. Like I don't act. And especially if you're getting an epidural, I don't have to be there. I don't have to be there right? I'm going to talk to you about what to expect. I'm going to be there to answer your questions. Instead of sitting there on a hard ass hospital chair with my 51 year old broken ass body, I am going to be able to actually answer those questions lying in my bed on Tylenol for the majority of my time, answering those questions for you that I could be answering face to face with you sitting on that hard ass goddamn chair but I'm going to do it virtually for you. And that works for me. That works for me. Now, granted, I really don't have any clients right now. I'm still trying to figure out how it all works to actually get those clients, but we have to be open to there being so many different kinds of ways, ways of, to do this. Yeah. Right. Ways of working and how you structure your contract how you structure your consults, your prenatals, your whatever. It's, it's blown wide open. I think mm-hmm. in, in a lot of ways we're Absolutely. not restricted anymore. Now we zoom has done a lot of, a lot for us in that regard and um, being forced like necessity being the mother of innovation. Yeah. Like we've been forced to say, hmm, what else can I do? Hmm, how can I do this differently? Hmm, how am I going to make money another way? And being forced often is the best yeah. thing. <laughs> yeah. well, it's funny. I, I saw, like, I, I'm so sick of, <laughs> I'm so sick of people saying it has to be one way or the other. I saw somebody posted um, on Instagram that, you know, if you take a hospital-based um, childbirth education class, you're not going to get, and it listed like a bunch of stuff. And I'm like, mm-hmm. um, nope. Let me get up my thumb here. Right. No, yeah. that is not actually entirely true. Yes, I'm sure in some hospital settings that might be true in some cases, but that's definitely not the hospital-based class that I teach. Like there's no, there's always so much, um, all or nothing. Like we yeah. always jump to the very extreme yeah. of the way things are. And it's like, uh, no, it's total spectrum. Like there's, there's a wave of stuff in between. So yeah. stop trying to be stop doulas and birth workers. Stop telling people that it's all or nothing. No. If you even just take the whole issue of refunds, take any issue Absolutely. that might that might require a refund. You can offer no refund, full refund, and partial refund. Again, spectrum. You decide what works for you. 
because guess what? We're still unregulated. You still get to decide and design your business the way you want and your life. Do you have young children? Do you have a husband that you like? What's your life? What's going on in your life? If you don't like him, that's okay. You do you. (laughs) Pack up, pack up your your itinerary with all the evening meetings because you don't want to see his fucking face. Do that. If you you like your guy, don't have evening evening meetings because those when you want to spend time with him. Your life, your business, your choices. Isn't that great? Freedom. 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 Let's all go out on the street and and march and chant about freedom. And I don't know if this partially plays into really the, we talked about the possibility of talking about privilege here. Um, And the context of that was a, and I, I lost it after I found it, but there was someone who was expressing themselves quite well, although I didn't agree with them, that the choice to only support home birth was a privilege and not a privilege in a good way. Um, They were indicating that it was, that basically you're a failure as a doula, that you are um, not working for all birthing people if you're only supporting home birth. and that you are failing those who have to go into the into the hospital Mm -hmm. however especially when we're looking here at us being removed from the hospital in uh, or a secondary support person being removed from the hospital making that pivot to home birth only and curating your direction your intention your manifestation your business savvy towards advertising towards those who will choose home birth although that might be privileged it can also just be really smart if the the pandemic has taught us anything it's that we can be moved out of the birthing space that is the hospital at any given time so it's there's a a bit of a wisdom there to be able to recognize that and say i really need to direct my energies to attracting those who choose home birth so I remember when we first initially had this discussion, um, I had some initial thoughts that are now sort of like, I'm putting question marks beside them. So somebody explained to me, how is it a privilege for a, a privilege for a doula to choose to focus their attention only on home birth? How is, how is that a privilege? And that is a good question because it didn't fully, although it was well said, it didn't fully resonate with me because yeah, what I saw was choice. There are those who only choose hospital birth as well. So it, it, my understanding was that it was, you were choosing to really only work with people that had the ability to choose home birth and that there are so many other people out there that actually don't have this option um, for whatever reason, because of maybe they actually don't even have a place where they can do this, um, where it's possible to do it. Um, They can't afford, because keep in mind that a lot of like some of the, a lot of the stuff I see on sort of Instagram and stuff is American based. And it's like, they can't afford midwives. They can only afford, you know, the Medicare home birth or hospital birth. Um, they or health privilege. Yeah. It's so, health, 
yeah, they can't, yeah. they're not because of health situations can't have a home birth. Yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, so it was, it was a matter of, you know, you are removing yourself from helping someone who in a hospital setting really could benefit from your support, but you're choosing, you're choosing not to help those people. You're choosing to help the people that can afford home birth that, you know, are choosing to do home birth, um, who are able to do it, who are able to do it. Yeah. So, so you, so that doula is choosing to work with privileged clients. Yes. That's what they're saying, but not all home birth people are necessarily privileged. They might be privileged health wise, but they haven't risked out of home birth which might be in their realm or not in their realm. They're privileged. Again, if we talk, also if we look at it in the States, slightly different than here in Canada, in that in the States, you have to, there's so many insurances, insurance companies that don't pay for home birth, that won't cover home birth. So it truly is an ideal of someone who has the funds to pay out of pocket to buy, to, um, hire a home birth midwife yeah. to have a safe space and a home that meets whatever requirements might be required by that midwife to have a home birth. So there's a lot of like, when you talk about financial benefit there here, also a midwife would require um, often a particular safe space. If the space didn't feel safe to them, which is why they do a home visit, sometimes you would risk out of it um, or that they wouldn't recommend a home birth, but it's not like the I would say that the separation is not the same. Yeah. Because in the States, literally, you either have the cash to hire a midwife or you don't. Your midwives are covered by our, our Ontario health plan. Yeah. So we, that is not a, a big variable, variable there. I think what was, I think what was interesting in that particular discussion is there were definitely several people, um, doulas, I'm assuming who, you know, made the comment that, you know, I'm choosing to do this for my own mental health because, you know, having to attend births in hospital where you're constantly getting, you know, that secondary trauma and whatnot, there's only so much of that, that one can take. And, you know, for that, I absolutely respect that because really, let's be honest, I was moving before the pandemic even started. I was moving to, because we had a vir we had virtual support already on our plate before the pandemic hit. Um, after having like three or four traumatic births where, you know, mom almost died, I could not... I couldn't do that anymore. And I've been doing this for like almost 16 years. Like I should be, I should be a swarthy veteran at this point, but even that was way too much for me. So I get that. I get having to put yourself into a position where you yourself feel mentally safe and feel um, like you can do this work beyond, you know, what, what their traditional, you know, support is. So, you know, is it privilege or is it, you know, self-preservation? There are also a lot of doulas and birthing people who choose home birth so as to not have to enter the racist institutionalized system of birthing in hospitals. Exactly. So there are people that um, yeah, there are people who choose home birth for that reason. Uh, I don't know. I just figure 
it's an individual thing if a doula wants to focus her their energies on <clears throat> people who make that choice for whatever reason but there's there's more than enough if that choice was taking away from other doula's choices then maybe i would have a problem with it but it's not there's so much there's more than enough hospital work to go around yeah as a matter of fact, if you choose to focus only on home birth, you will have to really, really focus your energies on drumming it up, drumming, drumming up enough business to keep yourself solvent. Where it's not that it's far easier to keep yourself solvent if you are focusing on hospital birth. I think if it was the other way around, I might have something more to say about it. But if you want to specialize, go ahead. It just means more work for me. The other thing to remember too, is there's plenty of doulas to go around. Like we're not necessarily, you know, we're not necessarily leaving that person in the hospital without a doula to support because we've chosen with, to go just home. There's a, there's more doulas. There's fucking doulas everywhere. You could spit and hit one. Like, honestly, there's, yeah. there's so many of us. Um, so yeah, it's, it's not, is it privilege? Uh, I don't know, to be honest, I, I can't, it, that's such a loaded word. Um, in this respect, I'm not sure it's the right word. Um, yeah. I think it's, I think it's probably a misuse of the word. I don't know. I don't think it is. I don't think it necessarily is. I mean, what I was, I now I remember what my thought process was before I was thinking that, uh, uh, a doula who chooses to attend only home births is going to have far less clients than a doula who chooses um, hospital births or to be wide open. And so therefore that means that they can afford to make that conscious choice to have less clients, but that's not necessarily true. Yeah. Unless they're teaching and doing placenta encapsulation and right. doing all these other things. Like it isn't yeah, necessarily if, that they're maybe that maybe their job is, you know, all these other things. And the, the birth side is that's the, that's the, the bonus part. Yes. And so therefore for that sort of specialized care, that one thing that I love to do, but I'm only doing a small part of it, it is going to only be home births, maybe because I've been traumatized at the hospital for whatever reason. I don't want to go back there to see births there. So I, I don't think privilege is the right word. I don't think that, but I'm also open to having my mind changed. If anybody has hundred yeah, percent not covering um, as far as I can figure out, I don't see how it is. Um, so it's like saying Stephanie, Stephanie is privileged because she chooses to do placenta encapsulation because she's only catering to people who have healthy placentas. Right. You know what I mean? Like my placenta for, with my number five baby was garbage. <laughs> the midwife looked at it and said, what is this piece of shit? How did you grow up? <laughs> How did you grow a nine pound baby with this garbage? And I was 38 weeks and this placenta was like, blah. That's why. <laughs> so, I mean, so, uh, so only people who have healthy placentas get to be, have placenta encapsulation and you're choosing to work only with them. Therefore that's privilege. Nah, I don't think so. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a strange concept. I think people are very, quick to apply that label yeah. 
um, to things. Not that sometimes it's absolutely warranted. Absolutely. Very warranted in many, many situations, but we also need to be discerning about who we're going to slap that label on. Well, yeah, because then we're diluting the, the, the whole concept of it. Like we want it to be, we want it to be a slap in the face where, where it's a slap in the face. We don't want it to be, we don't want that, you know, concept to be completely watered down to the point where, you know, I have hardwood floors that makes me privileged from anybody who, you know, has laminate. Like, no, that's, I have hardwood floors because, you know, 30 years ago, I was able to afford to buy a house and I still have those same fucking floors. Like that's, you know, nowadays, things are completely different. You have, you bought a new car. They said that to me, somebody a few years ago, somebody in the co-op said, you have a new car. Um, As if that made me, fucking bill gates or something i said i've never had i'm over 50 and this is the very first fucking new car i've ever had in my life yeah and it is the like most basic basic of new the cheapest brand new car that i could possibly find there are used cars that cost more than my new car right and you're gonna gonna put me into some so we've got to be careful about what we think about people. I mean, years and years ago when I was 24 and I moved out of my parents' house and I moved to a, moved into a a basement apartment, right? You, you, I, if somebody said to me, yeah, one day you're actually going to own a house, literally own a house with a giant backyard and a swimming pool. And, uh, it's going to be huge enough to have huge family dinners and, and so on. It's going to be great. I might, I would probably have passed out, but if you knew what went on behind all of that pick behind that picture, mm-hmm. you would immediately say, oh, okay, I guess it isn't all that great after all. So you can't take like one aspect of anything and slap a label on it. There's always, I say it time and time again, there is always more than one piece to a puzzle. Context, context, look at context. The whole means everything context means everything yep now i'll say it might very well be a privilege that you feel confident enough in your ability to uh curate direct market yourself for that but is that are we talking obviously original the original person who who wrote about this said privilege as a negative but we are privileged to we are all privileged to live where people are increasingly valuing the support of a doula And we are privileged to, to stand up and say, yes, I'm willing to, I'm willing to do that. I'm willing to be a doula. I'm willing to be a doula, but here are the parameters I need to do it around. We aren't, it's not like we are leaving other doulas to do the, you know, shit work of, of hospital birth. Um, we are I'll, now there's other people who have a niche for people who specifically go into the hospital who might not have the privilege of, of home birth. They, that is their niche. And we would support them in that and give them all the support and the, I would hope the therapy and the backing and the community for them to express how challenging it can be to support those who have very few choices going into their birth, choices about interventions that they might not have wanted, health, intense invasive healthcare that they might not have wanted. Yeah. And that can also be a niche. Yeah. Uh, and it can, there's nothing wrong with saying that feels like the work I am driven to do and I'm going to do it. Just like someone else can say, 
it is sucking the life from me to do that work. But I absolutely thrive moving through someone's house as they are having a baby and being able to not to, to focus on how that person labors in that particular time. And it's not like home birth doulas are saying, I'm not going to go to the hospital with you, with the exception of that one doula many, many years ago on the Yahoo group, who I still can't forget. Um, who, uh, yeah. <coughs> you're, you're just working with what lifts you up, which then allows you to lift and be present for a client. But it's funny as a doula and I've, I've been a doula for a very long time. Um, I actually do not like home births at all. <laughs> I'm not a fan. Um, it's not, I always, when I started this work, I always felt like I needed to, I felt like I was doing more and supporting more in a hospital setting where, you know, there is that scariness, there is that medical speak, there is all this other stuff happening. Like, I felt like that was where I could do my best. And at a home birth, I kind of felt useless because there were midwives, there were secondary midwives, there was like a bunch of family and things like that. It's like, what the hell am I here for? Um, I will admit the last home birth I did that freaked me out was actually amazing. And I'm, and I'm glad I did that. And one of my first home births was actually quite amazing, but I never as a doula really gravitated towards them. They were never really my thing. And I know, I know there's doulas out there like, what, what's wrong with you? You're not a real doula. Um, it's like, no, that's, it's, I feel like my best work is going to be in supporting people in a hospital setting where they're not necessarily getting the support that they need. So that's where I want to be. Well, that's where I used to want to be. <laughs> now so, you virtually want to be there. Now I virtually am there for that. <laughs> so. So think about that too, as we come into this other possibility of having to pivot without, you know, without that being part of your plan. Is, is that something you're interested in pursuing as well? Do you want to pivot into primarily supporting home birth? Do you want to pivot into primarily supporting virtually beyond what other people tell you you can and can't do? Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I want people to really think about this. We're coming into a new time. <laughs> right, I'm just gonna read that out loud. According to Suzanne, Ziggy just barfed. So I think she needs to go clean up some barf. Um. <laughs> I don't know what's happening. Why are you barfing? Dude? Are you taking her to the vet? No, where are you going? Yeah, she's going to the vet this morning. So she's like, well, what better time to just start the barfing? <laughs> yeah, stress puke. She must know she's going to go get shots at the vet. That makes her barf. Oh my God. That's hilarious. Okay. I don't have to go. I can clean it up while y'all are still here. Um, so I wanted to, I, I read this this morning, so I wasn't necessarily going to bring it up, but I thought, and I'm going to try not to shame anybody when I, when I do this, but, um, I read a post this morning in Facebook and it was a doula that was at a, uh, intentional unassisted birth. And respect. I'm not you, you do you again, you do you, the, the client went through and, and made that conscious decision to do that. And that doula made that conscious decision to attend that birth. 
but she posted that it was had been five hours since the birth and the placenta had not been delivered yet. Okay. And what should she do? <laughs> and I'm sitting here, I'm sitting there in bed in the dark like seven o'clock this morning. I really need to stay off the phone until like at least nine, but, or at least until after I'm caffeinated, but I'm sitting there reading this going, oh my God, the placenta is sitting there for five hours inside them. And granted, I am, I am making this, I am making this statement based on experience, not evidence. Um, but somebody needs to do something. There needs to be a medical professional there to deal with this. Hemorrhaging is not fun. Postpartum hemorrhaging is not a, it's not a good place to be. No, it's not. Everyone's <laughs> like, have you tried this tincture? Have you tried this? Have you like, uh, she shouldn't be trying anything, but okay, go off. Um, but I'm sitting there going, and then one person was like, she needs to go to the hospital. And I'm thinking, yeah, that's my, that would be my response. Like you need to go to the hospital. And now I get that it can take a while for the placenta to come. And it was a very fast birth, very quick, but I'm like, um, what would you do in this situation? Well, I wouldn't be in that situation. Exactly. I wouldn't be in that situation either, but (laughs) precisely because of the possibility of this kind of shit happening because mm-hmm. there's no guarantee that everything's going to go well. And I might have all kinds of ideas about what could be done or what I think should be done, but I don't know if they're going to work. Well, and it's, it's funny that last home birth that I did where the midwives <laughs> didn't show up on time where, where they were late. So they were maybe about, I want to say like 45 minutes to an hour after um the baby had been born like it was a while it was a long time yeah and that placenta had not been delivered yet but i'm yeah. like okay you know what i'm looking at her i'm looking at baby everybody seems to be fine i know the midwives are on their way she's not feeling faint she's not pale she's not passing out she actually seems quite invigorated i'm like okay i'm gonna let this go for like another little bit and see sort of what happens but if it had gotten to the point where you know we were now into like the second hour and we had no placenta i'm sorry i'm calling 911 like yeah because i don't because I don't know, right? Because I'm not medical, I don't know. And because I've seen postpartum hemorrhaging before, and she had postpartum hemorrhaging before, I'm not fucking dealing with this. So people, we're calling 911. This is what's happening. This is, this is my recommendation. But to go yeah. five hours... I don't know if it resolved or if it didn't resolve. I don't know. That's a whole other level in my mind of, um, I'll say confidence, I guess. As someone who who would plan an unassisted birth, like an unmedically assisted birth, I I was surprised. That surprises me to hear that that family didn't have someone that they could reach out to 
should something arise. Like most people I know who plan a medically unassisted birth have somebody that they trust who they can reach out to should something arise like this. Well, my, con- my concern would be of people remember, cause they're, they're definitely people who will plan on unassisted birth and do not have any backup, any medical backup at all. There's so I'm not surprised by it because that's the spectrum of extreme. Yeah. There's somebody at that end. My concern is that are they, did they think that the doula was going to be that person? Because this doula didn't sound like they were sort of, I mean, the the way they asked the question made it sound like they were a bit of a newbie, not brand spanking new, like they just finished their, their training, but maybe not, you know, 15 years into this, but, and not that there's, cause I wouldn't fucking know what to do. Um, but it just felt like they were a newer doula per se. And yeah, they made that conscious decision to, to be in that situation. And I respect that. I, I respect that they looked at the benefits and risks of everything and they made that decision. Great. But did the client think that they were going to be the medical professional if something should go wrong? Because in that, if that's the case, then that's not fair. Because if something happens to this birthing parent, <clears throat> who's going to be responsible for that? Yeah. And now because that doula has been the person to reach out, it reinforced that they are a person who is um, who is looking for the answers for that, as opposed to them having somebody with, I mean, there's having knowledge of something and then there's having like education and actionable items. Like if you have a midwife, who you know, or a nurse that you know, or a doctor that you know, or somebody who does this work, um, not as a support person. If you have that, then 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 you you're taking care of yourself. You're kind of like having something in your pocket. You're you're having a what if contingency, not because you think things are negative, just because shit happens. And so, and maybe that's something that maybe this doula should have. Maybe if she has an unassisted home birth contract, um, you know, maybe that's something that should be in there as well as, you know, if something should go wrong, what are your, what's your backups? And it may not be something that you write into the contract, but maybe that's part of the discussion. If something should happen, what is your plan? Like you need to know what their plan is. What was the discussion on that? Was it Facebook or Instagram? It was or whatever? on Facebook. Was it, was the discussion about, oh, what would you have done for a five hour retained placenta? Was that the, the. No, it was, dis- it was in the, it was in the present tense. What should I be doing? Fuck. Yeah. It was happening as, yeah. Whoa. So you go to face your Facebook hive to find what to do in a potentially life. No, man. Fucking hell. No. My I mean, just as somebody who's, you know, all, like all three of us, we've been around a lot of people who've had babies. Some people need to push out their, my, my thought, and maybe the doula, I don't know how long she's been doing what she's doing, but um, is if it's been five hours and she's got, you know, some bleeding, but not, obviously if there's a hemorrhage going on, that woman would be passed out by now. Yeah. And someone would have called thing i'm i'm assuming that the placenta is detached and might just be sitting inside and she should be sitting on a toilet and 
getting out the window. My, my concern, like you, just you saying that my concern is that, you know, maybe she's not bleeding a whole lot, but is that placenta blocking, blocking the blood, blocking Blocking the blood from coming, blocking the tsunami of blood that's going to come out once it finally does dislodge and no, 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 no. And how did it get to five hours? Like after two, isn't somebody saying something? After one hour, I'm starting. No, never mind, man. I'm just, it's just ridiculous. 30 I, minutes. I'm like, um, okay. Well, as I say, it was like an hour for that one client. But as I say, I was watching for everything else. Like I was, I was checking and seeing, but if it looked at any point that she was starting to look pale um, or you know, there was a time because it was a water birth. So I had to gauge sort of, you know, blood versus water versus dilution and things like that. If I was starting to see anything that looked, you know, any at all hinky and, you know, having attended, you know, almost 200 births, I can see hinky. Right. Um, but I would have been like, yeah, we're f- get her out of the fucking water. We're calling 911 right now because there was no way that we could contact the, the midwives were already on their way. We were in the middle of like nowhere in Orangeville or whatever. And they, the only number we had was a pager number. Of course you're in the middle of nowhere. Right? Why, why would you be in the middle of civilization with <laughs> health access right at your fingertips? Why? No. <laughs> right. So, so yeah, but I mean, if it had gone beyond, you know, if, if they hadn't, if I didn't know that they were on their way, if it was just us and we were at that hour mark, I'd have been like, you know, you know what, we got to get out of this tub. There's something that placenta hasn't come yet and it should be. So this is my advice, period. I respect people who, who plan on intentional, um, I mean, intentional unassisted births. I re- I wouldn't, at this point in my life, I would never choose that. Probably in my uh, late twenties, probably in my twenties, early thirties, I would have chose, that would have been definitely something on the table, but I'm also uh, a sucker for support. And I need like lots and lots of people around me when I'm giving birth. So mm, I don't know if that would fit. I'm not the go out into the moonlight and birth your baby by yourself in the garden kind of person. No. This sounds like bad planning. Five hours? No, that sounds like bad planning. Uh, And anybody I've known, and I've known several people who have planned intentional unassisted births, they did it sensibly as much as people who are against it can imagine that it can be planned sensibly. And uh, with them knowing that at some point they might need medical assistance because birth as wonderful as she is. We know that it can sometimes go sideways and people will need medical assistance. Anybody that I've known um, has had that sort of backup. If this happens, we'll do this. If then, if that doesn't work, we'll do this. And if that doesn't work, we'll do this. And then we'll go to the hospital. You have to have have backup plans. Yeah. And the, even if your last, last resort is going to the emergency, then that's what it is. Yep. Then that's what it is. And I would think to me, five hours is way, 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 way past time where you need to call something else or somebody else in. I hate to do this. 
I got to go, <laughs> which means we got to go. My mother is. It's okay. Having... That was just my. Yeah, oh, I heard that. I, that I got to go get dressed and get Ziggy out of here by 1130. Well, I'll wrap a little bit up with, I do hope that, you know, all of us, we've talked about things that we learned along the way. So we put them in our contracts. I hope that that one thing also is a learnable moment for that doula. Yeah. That what am I comfortable with? What am I uncomfortable with? What do I require of families who I attend to have intentionally medical um, and medically attended births? What am I comfortable with? And I hope that that doula now has taken something away that allows them to feel comfortable adding something to their contract that they don't risk themselves, that they don't risk that a family isn't at risk. Yeah, and absolutely. Great conversations. I really hope it starts some great conversations for that person. All right, cool. Now join us next week when we're going to talk about planning for 2022. Um, so have your paper and pen and all of that stuff. And we do hope that everybody is staying safe and I hope everybody has or had a wonderful break and we will see you again in 2022. Season season four. Season four. (laughs) My God. Yep. All right. Awesome, everybody. Bye. Bye.